News Talk 1110-993-WBT, The Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete of The Pete Callender Show. You can email me, Pete, at thepetecallendershow.com. Ironically enough, you can also uh, hit me up on the Twitter machine, at Pete Callender. That's my handle. It's my name. Or you can call 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. We're talking about the vaccine mandate, this stay that was... Uh, put in place by a federal court of the Biden administration's vaccine mandate. I'll get into some more of the details. Also, North Carolina's uh, response to it so far. Uh, Let me get Brandon on. Uh, Hello, Brandon. Welcome to the program. How are you? Yes, good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm good. What's going on? Uh, People keep throwing this word herd immunity around. Yeah. Right? That's a phrase, but yeah, gotcha. I've I've been sleeping under a rock because... I was always taught herd immunity had nothing to do with vaccinations. It was all about natural immunity being built over time from people getting sick. And then the the virus eventually just burns itself out because it can't infect people no more. Since when did they start tying vaccination into this? It's the same concept. You, you You achieve herd immunity in one of two ways or a combination of both, right? Which is you get people that get sick with the disease with the virus they recover they now have natural immunity or and you have the uh man-made vaccination that then uh prevents the spread of that infection as well that's the that, right, so, so that it's leads both. another point no it's so it's Why both it's never been an either or i'm sorry go ahead well it's never been an either or think of polio for example right like people got vaccinated against polio uh, measles, mumps, rubella, people still get vaccinated against that. And that's the whole point because you, you, you don't want everybody getting measles, mumps, or rubella, right? So you get the vaccinations and so it prevents the spread. So it's both. Herd immunity is achieved through both. All right. So that leads to my next question. All right. Why do we keep throwing the term vaccination around for this uh, uh, gene therapy? Because it's not a vaccination. So it's technically it not gene therapy either. It's technically not gene therapy because gene therapy requires there to be some uh, incursion of the cell, like into the nucleate or something. I'm not a scientist, but I looked into this because somebody else asked me that question. It's not technically gene therapy. It's messenger RNA. It just delivers essentially the message. It says this is how you react when you see this kind of infiltration from the uh, from the spike protein, right? Like that's what it, it's basically, it's a blueprint on how to fight uh, the infection, which is the same concept of natural immunity, right? Where your body has learned, it has the blueprint on how to fight something off. And so if you just deliver the blueprint, that's the idea, right? Like you, you know how to fight it off. The, as for the term vaccination, I was under the same impression as recently as I think Thursday, uh, but apparently mm-hmm. uh, the term vaccination uh, like i said the flu shot uh, well they call it the flu shot not the flu vaccine but technically they actually do call it the flu vaccine even though it doesn't actually prevent you from getting the flu in all cases so well this is this is part of the problem it, they keep changing definitions of words and that's that's why people are confused well yeah people are con- yes i w- it, so the people who are in charge of these institutions that have uh that we have placed a lot of our faith and trust in, they have made egregious mistakes. Um, but also, there are a lot of people who think that they know better and more than, quote-unquote, the experts. 
And I understand why they come to those conclusions, right? Because when the experts are peddling certain narratives to us and that gets exposed, then it undermines confidence and credibility in all of the experts. But then there are also people who are willing to adopt any piece of information that squares with their prior conceived notions, right? If it if it yeah, supports yeah, yeah. their belief, then they're going to be more willing to latch on to the one example, like, oh, I knew somebody and they they got sick from the shot, or I knew somebody, they smoked for 100 years and they didn't get cancer, right? Like, they'll glom onto that one example and they'll use that as the proof and the only proof necessary. So it's a little bit of both. Extremities on both ends. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. That's why, look, it's very hard. Uh, and, like, I'm, I'm trying to keep an open mind to be receptive of new information as it becomes available. Like, at the beginning of the masks and the mandates and stuff, I said, look, I'm not so sure this stuff works because I was talking to people who were skeptical. But I said, if they think this is going to make a bit of a difference, then if it helps a little bit. I remember having an argument with a listener on this radio station about this very thing, saying that I the masks, that yeah, that the masks do actually, uh, they will block some, like the, the spit, right? The lung juice, the projectiles, it will block some of that. So that could be beneficial right it's not they're not completely ineffective but now as more and more research comes out about it what do we know they're only like 10 percent effective and you're way more uh you're way better off doing uh modest ventilation that's going to be more bang for the buck so why aren't we focusing on that see so like you got to be willing to shift we have to and, and to acknowledge like i thought masks worked better than they actually do and i've changed my view on that because of the science dare i say Right, but research that has proved that to be the case over the last two years now. So I just I think a lot of people don't want to change their mind because they become, you know, wedded to a a particular position. They they've they've made assertions on social media. They can't go back now. You know. Well, it it, it bothers me with the way they've handled this because never ever have they acted like this before about a quote unquote pandemic. I hate even calling it that. Yeah, well, it's but, uh, it's no longer a pandemic. It's endemic. It's here. I mean, so do you think COVID-19 actually exists or doesn't? Yeah, I'll say it exists. Um, I just, I don't know why they had to throw that fancy term on it. It's technically just SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, but what, but so the words, so you got epidemic, pandemic, and endemic. Those are the three mm-hmm. terms that are used, right? And pandemic means something. It means, like, there's a definition, and this does meet that definition, means that the viral outbreaks are spreading all over, right? That's that's what that word means. Now, what? so what's the objection to, uh, to the use of the word? Because, I, I mean, and I know this is going to tick a lot of people off when I say this, but, hey, First Amendment... Um, I feel like it's a hyped up flu. How so? I, I'm sorry. How so? It, it it it's it's the flu. If you look at the structure of this virus, it's a tweaked version of the flu. That's what SARS-CoV was. That's what um uh what was it called? Middle East MERS. Mm-hmm. But they're they're all variations of the flu. They're respiratory. Why do you think the symptoms are the same? Yeah, they're so they're respiratory ailments, 
Mm-hmm. But sorry. All right, so when you say, all right, so I'll I'll go ahead and just agree with your premise for the sake of the argument. But what's so if it's just a souped-up flu, but that doesn't make it like I don't understand what like that's not an argument for why it's, it's not hyped as dangerous up. as they're proclaiming it to be. And I don't know why they're pushing a vaccination that doesn't stop it. Well, the original vaccine they thought did. Right? You remember the original, when the vaccines were first developed, they said that this would prevent the the spread and that this was the way through, was for everybody to get vaccinated. Then the Delta variant came along and the Delta variant has beaten through the vaccine, right? So that's what I mean. The, the, the circumstances have changed, but even if it's just a flu, quote unquote, it still has killed like three quarters of a million Americans. It's killed millions of people all over the world. So it's still a flu, but it's still killing people. The flu kills people, right? The flu kills people. So, I don't know. And they have flu shots for that. And only half of Americans take the flu shot. Brandon, I appreciate the call. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It's an all Led Zeppelin 4 bump tune Monday. It's the 50th anniversary. And the theme song of the program is from this album, so I just felt like it was appropriate. And uh, let's see here. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, Tim, welcome to the program. Hello, Tim. How are you? Good afternoon, Pete. Hey, what's going on? I must say, uh, I think your theory is pretty much correct. You could be one out of 100, and people will grab onto that one. Yeah. And say, hey. Smoked a hundred years, and I gotta say, I've listened to WBT for like twenty-two, and I'm still not deaf. <laughs> what was that? Was that a trumpet? I can't hear that. Can you do it again? No, you only get one rim shot, Tim. Only one. Do not, do not look the gift horse in the mouth. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. No, it's this is it's a uh, argument by anomaly. Or argument by anecdote. It's an example that then becomes the proof for all things that someone previously prior uh, previously believed has a prior belief of. And it's not that's not science. It's not scientific. It's not logical either, by the way. Um, so on the numbers, because I got an email. Hang on a second. Let me pull up this email to Pete at thepetecalendershoe.com. From Jay, who says, yes, COVID is real. However, two and a half million more people need to die in the U.S. to be a statistical 1% event. And, uh, by the way, my first concert ever was Led Zeppelin in the eighth grade, 1977 or so. Um, right. So, and look, that's okay. That's math. 1%. So, so it's a statistical 1% event of a, you know, 700 or you would need two and a half million more deaths for it to be 1% of the total population. Okay. <clears throat> but um, at 750,000 deaths, and now this is th- through the entire pandemic. So like after we close the books on 2020, we're going to have a better idea of the, uh, of the numbers, you know, because in, or, or sorry, 2021, because in 2020, when it first erupted, you had a lot of people dying in nursing homes and the like. And, you know, people were were scrambling to figure out 
how to stop it, how to, uh, how to survive it, right? There were a lot of mistakes made, bad policies and stuff. 2021, this year, I think has been like you, you, where we had, we had our, you know, uh, seasonality waves, which will continue, I believe. So I think this is going to be a better, uh, well, the better read on sort of the, the statistical death count. But every year, you know how many people die of heart disease every year? In America, it's about 660, 659,000 people. 659,000 people every year die of heart disease. Cancer, number two, at just under 600,000. Right? Those are the top two leading causes of death. Followed then, there's a big drop-off from there at 660 and 600. Then it drops all the way down to 173,000 accidents, unintentional injuries. Then 157,000 chronic lower respiratory diseases. See, now, COVID keeps moving up this list. It keeps moving up the charts. As more and more people die each year, it's, it's now higher up this list. So... I don't know where it ends, and I'm not going to go out on a limb and say, well, it's nothing, or it's the worst thing ever, because I don't know. That's the beauty of this. Like, I don't have to make a prediction. I don't I don't have to, like, stake out some territory and say, I think it's going to be worse than, you know, than cancer, or I think it's going to be better than cancer. So I don't understand this need to do so. I really don't. I don't understand the need that people have to make predictions and then to be able to come back and say, I was right about that prediction. I don't understand that, that desire. That's, and, and that's just me. That's just my, like, it's not in my makeup. Um, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that because I used to predict elections and then 2016 happened. I was like, well, right, I'm not good at this. <laughs> so I stopped doing it. Uh, let me go over here to summer. Hello, Summer. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great. I hope you're well. I am. Yes. What's going on? Um, so I have a friend of mine that is in the hospital with COVID pneumonia. Um, his wife heard about some really good therapeutics that were, you know, well-known and known to work. And she asked the hospital if they could administer um, any of these, and they denied her, and they said, you're, the governor has a protocol in place. And so they were not able to give him any of these therapeutics. And that's very scary to me and that our governor is dictating. Um, and it would also be very interesting to find out what his protocol is. And um, so I just, I think a lot of people don't realize this and it's just, it's very scary. And I mean, even something as simple as, you know, um, she she says, can you give him some IV vitamin C? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm just like, good grief. Like, it's vitamin C, but it, it's it's not in the governor's protocol. So I was just wondering if anybody, if we, if we know what that protocol is. I do not. If, no, yeah, okay. I, I do not. Summer, I don't know what that protocol is. I have heard stories like you're like you've just described. It is to me, and it is outrageous that... Uh, protocols developed by unknown people part of covid task forces at the state and local level are dictating certain protocols like that and not um 
not opening them up, not letting us know who who they are, who's setting the protocols, but also um, that doctors are refusing to treat patients for whatever reason. Like, oh, I don't think that's the right uh, course. Well, I, I would say find another doctor. But I mean, if he's already in the hospital, I don't know how much flexibility you're going to have there. To me, it's outrageous. That's this is one of the darkest parts of the entire response is the way the medical community has turned its back on certain elements of uh, of medicine. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Let me go over here to Vincent, Starry Night. What's going on, Vincent? How are you? Hey, good talk to you, Pete. How many pounds did you lose uh, this past week? Yeah, you got an update? How many what? How many pounds, LBs, did you drop? Oh, uh, so yeah, uh, yet, or Thursday I went in and I was down like another two pounds. So, I'm, uh, so it's like 53 pounds, 52 pounds down. I was going to ask you, are you getting paid to lose weight? Yes. It's encouragement for each pound? <laughs> no, I, yeah, so I endorse them. I get access to the program. Okay, I didn't know if there was an over or under as far as... No, uh, no, no, no. Like, I, I do the program. I'm not getting, like, a, there's no charge per pound. Hey, talking about poundage, you know, <laughs> the elephant in the room on this COVID. Oh. It's people that are uh, out of shape, overweight. Yes. And uh, a lot of these people are diabetic from a lot of sugar intake. And, and that, I know there's a lot of people that have diabetes for, for other reasons, hereditary yeah. and so forth. But the majority are linked. I read a Reuters report that almost 50% of the people that died of COVID were diabetic. Yeah. No, that, not to, that's accurate. It's and a, not to mention, most of these people were uh, on their way out. You know, they were on death's door. You know, they were up. At, they, you know, they they had a good. Uh, they put. A, you know, had a good mileage on this planet, and they were ready to uh, exit. So, a couple things like this was something that I covered a lot in the first year of the pandemic when we saw uh, the the spike in deaths initially. So first thing to keep in mind is that we had pretty mild flu seasons the two previous years. And so, and I know this is like, this sounds, you know, kind of dark, but the, but a lot of people who passed away in the first, uh, uh, round of the COVID-19, they, you know, had we had worse flu seasons in the previous two years, in all likelihood, they probably would have been casualties of those flu seasons. So there was that portion. Then, yeah, you had the most vulnerable population. They were older, and uh, they were most uh, affected, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's and that's one of the reasons why I think there was a, a response that we saw that was kind of different than a lot of the... Uh, the response we're seeing now where there's this hysteria about getting all the kids vaccinated as quickly as possible, because I mean, look, I, I don't deny that kids can get uh, COVID and some of them, like some of the long COVID stuff is is awful. There are people that lose limbs, right, that from the clotting issues that develop. The issue is, though, what is the actual risk of catching it? And having those types of long-term consequences, especially now that we're getting treatments, right? We're getting therapeutics that are all coming online. So 
I, I suspect that the that those types of threats long term are are going to wane. And at the beginning of it all, like you said, there were a lot of people that that were affected that were that were older, and yeah, their risk profile was much uh, much higher. Right. Well, I wanted to address the sugar industry and the subsidies by our government that uh, encourages consumption. And I'm going to go right to the food stamp uh, issue. Why is our government paying Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, millions and billions of dollars to subsidize their corporation? Through the are you talking about through through sugar, or are you talking about through the the EBT? Sugar, uh, canned soft drinks. They can go through a checkout counter and they can buy an energy drink on food stamps. They can buy a sixteen ounce Mountain Dew. A a four year old kid can 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 buy a Mountain Dew uh, twenty ounce. Or and what does that do to the? Is it is that? So so are you going? You want to go? You want to go full Bloomberg there? Ban all of the soft drinks. Well, I, what I do want to do is get the government out of the uh, paying for it. Let's start there. Can we go there? Well, so it, would it, that be uh, rational? Well, it, it depends on what you want from a society. Um, do you think that a society has any obligation, or is there any compelling state interest in providing a safety net so people don't starve to death? Well, uh, well, starving to death and 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 and. Uh, I'm just having a refreshment of Coca-Cola. There are two different things. I understand that, but I'm starting. I'm I'm trying to build a foundation for what you believe in. So, do you believe that this? I'm more Ann Rand. I'm on Ann Rand. Uh, You know, I'm I'm basically libertarian hardcore. All right. So, if if that bothers you and other people out there, so be it. But I think in the end, it makes our country stronger. And it sends out the weak links. Yeah. The weakies. So that's but so Vincent. That's why I asked the first question as I did because. If you are of that philosophy, then there's no point in me arguing with you about soda because you don't want anything. So why would I argue with you? If I pay with my money, and my money, I think people have a right to drink soda. Uh, That's not what I said. If you're arguing, because you said you don't like that they can buy sodas with their food stamps. And so I asked, should they, should there even be a food stamp program? Because that's really the fun, the foundational question. And if you oppose the mere existence of the food stamp program, why would I argue with you about soft drinks when you don't want them to get any food through a food stamp program, right? So that's the actual argument. A government program to feed people is not warranted under our Constitution. That's fine. That's the actual argument. Hang on. But, Vincent, then that's the actual debate. It's not a question about sugary drinks. That's, That's my point. You came in. You you came in wanting to argue about sugary drinks. That's that was your premise assertion, and I'm pointing out that that's not actually what your argument is. Your argument is for there to be no food stamps at all. Right? I'm trying to get a half a loaf, Pete. Right. Okay. Well, that's fine. Loaf and they go for the full loaf later. I notice you pick a very carby type of food there too. Way to uh, way to induce the diabetes there, Vincent. I appreciate. <laughs> I, I appreciate the call, Vincent. No, then that's fair. Look, and that's a fair approach that Vincent takes is you go for the half loaf. He, if you recognize and look, I am I'm a lowercase a libertarian. So I'm a pragmatist. I'm a realist. I recognize, though, that the society is not going to move in a direction that Vin, like that Vincent is espousing that says get rid of all food stamps. So. All right. Well, what's the half loaf? He says is sugary soft drinks and like 
start restricting what you can and cannot purchase with the uh, with the food stamps. Uh, I got a tweet here from Monica who says, "You really do have to be on drugs to listen to that stuff." <laughs> All righty. It's the 50th anniversary of Led Zeppelin's four album. Um, all righty. So after the news, we're going to have Matthew Ridenauer. It's going to drop by. We're going to talk a little bit about politics in the uh, in the context of this deal that got cut. The 13 Republicans who voted along with the Democrats on the the infrastructure deal, but also Larger issues at play for the GOP, and he wrote an op-ed in the Charlotte Observer a few uh, weeks back saying, my GOP needs a new playbook before it's too late. So we'll have him in studio to chat about it. Um, First, let me uh, wrap up this stuff, though, on the uh, vaccine mandate. Republican state officials reacted with swift rebukes to President Biden's newly detailed mandate for private employers to require workers to be vaccinated, threatening a wave of lawsuits and other actions to thwart a requirement they see as a stark example of government overreach. At least two conservative groups moved uh, to file lawsuits. Right As I mentioned earlier, we had a stay at a federal court. So uh, they I'm, actually I should double check. I'll get well, I'll check during the break and see if there's a. Uh, I don't know when they're actually planning to get a response from the government on the vaccine mandate uh, injunction, so we'll find out. Some Republican-led states had already passed laws or executive orders that were intended to protect employers that may not want to comply. Um, This is so far beyond the scope of the federal government. I've said this before. This is my optimism, and I don't know if it's true, but this is my, my hope, is that they know that this is not going to pass constitutional muster. But the point is to just get us past this uh, downturn in the seasonality curve. Like they're going to, and, and to be able to say like, you know, we tried to mandate it, but we weren't allowed to Oh, those evil Republicans on the ju- on the courts, you know, help us get Democrat judges. So I suspect that might be part of it. There's, you know, the political angle here. Um, but much like the mask uh, metrics that we use, like Mecklenburg County under a mask mandate, and they're saying now uh, instead of 30 straight days of the 5% positivity rate in order to lift the mask mandate, they took it down to, what, seven days straight of under 5%. And there's a political benefit to that because as the numbers crater, then you're able to lift the mandate quickly. And then if they start spiking again, you can throw the mandate back in place and everybody's like, oh, thank God they did that. Look at them reacting, caring about people. Whether or not the mandate works, which, by the way, the science suggests it does not. Mandates do not work. The mask mandates do not work. And I'm sorry for people who really want that to be true. That doesn't make it true. Oh, if that were to be the case, right? Like just merely wishing something into existence. (laughs) I wish I had a million dollars. You fool. It was only a million. I should have said a billion. Okay. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration requirements that got released call for companies with 100 or more employees to be vaccinated by 
January 4th, or to be tested weekly. Failure to comply could result in penalties of nearly $14,000 per violation. I think it was, I think I was listening to Brett Winterbull the other day uh, where he was saying, he was pointing out the punitive nature of uh, the Biden administration on some of this stuff. And it really is uh, coming into stark relief just how many people we have in our society that are author- that have a really thick authoritarian streak to them on both sides. Seriously. There are a lot of people that are making demands of others based on their own assessment of risk. I don't understand it. Like the people who are anti-vax and they go out to these clinics and they shut them down or they protest at the clinics and stuff and they like they're browbeating people not to get vaccinated. I don't understand that. Just like I don't understand people who are like, make sure you wear that mask. You're killing me, you know, or the same thing with the shots. I don't understand. Like if you I understood the argument when it was first when when the vaccines were first developed and they said take the shots so we can get to herd immunity and it'll stop the spread but that did not happen and the delta variant has it's a leaky vaccine right like it's a, it has gotten around the vaccine and so it doesn't prevent people from spreading it i as a vaccinated person can still spread the virus which means the only person that benefits from me getting vaccinated is me, right? That's it, which is enough reason for me to get it. But it's not enough reason for you to demand I get it. Republican governors or attorneys general in Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, and South Dakota have uh, all said that they're going to file lawsuits or already have. The Daily Wire, conservative media company, they filed a challenge in federal court. So did companies in Michigan and Ohio. Um, the mandate is forcing employers to become the enforcement arm of the Biden administration. That's the problem. There's actually a term for this, by the way. Did you know that there's a term in political science for a veneer of free markets and capitalism but in actuality everything is controlled by government fiat through regulation and mandates you know what that system is called starts with an f it was very in fashion for about four years up until 2020 this term i will point out in north carolina we have not signed on to any of these in fact north carolina attorney general josh stein defends the mandates in an emailed statement to the Associated Press. So that's where North Carolina's Democratic Attorney General stands on this matter. We'll keep you posted. Up next, Matthew Ridenauer, former Mecklenburg County Commissioner. Talk about the state of the Republican Party, a little bit of Virginia election results and what it means for the party, uh, as well as the uh, the vote on the infrastructure bill. It's all related, and it's all up next. Stick around.